Good evening. It's great to be here. I'm honored to be here. Uh, isn't it great to be here with uh, Michael Larson and the Michael Larson experience? Wasn't that awesome? That was just incredible. Yeah, and thank you for that mediocre applause. I'm sure he feels good about that. And uh, Travis Holonia, isn't he like handsome? Absolutely wonderful, excellent young leader. I'm, I'm traveling uh, tonight with two friends from our, uh, from our church uh, pastoral team, and I'm going to invite them to stand. I just want to introduce, first of all, Clay Rands. Would you stand? Clay. Clayton Rands. Handsome. And uh, Jamie Turner. Right here, Jamie T. JT. And uh, they both work in the area of uh, uh, young adults and uh, Tehillah Monday. Well, I am I, uh, just more than anything excited to be here with uh, our, our leader, Jesus, the leader of our movement. And uh, I just want to just uh, talk to you uh, about him just for a minute. And uh, I, I just want uh, to tell this brief story of Jesus. It's, it's uh, brief, but it's, it's, a, it's a long story in terms of history. And, and at the beginning, at the beginning of of our story as human beings, our, our father and our mother, Adam and Eve, uh, were given by God, they were given dominion and authority over the whole earth. They were God's stewards. They were the keeper of, of planet earth. They had, they had authority and dominion. They were the head of God's household. And uh, if you know our story, the story of humanity, Adam, by obedience and allegiance to Satan, handed that authority over uh, to Satan, and Satan became head of the household. He was called the prince and the power of the air. First John says that the whole world was under his control, and he became the head of the household. He became... Um, the dominant force in the earth. And it was a great tragedy. And, and since, since, since Adam fell and since t Satan became the steward or the head of the household, sin and hell and death have ruled. And it's been, it's been horrible. It's been a horrible experience. But our story is this, is that even though God's sovereignty was deeply disturbed by by Satan stealing authority from Adam. The incredible news is that God initiated a divine invasion and sent Jesus Christ, who is called the second man. Adam is the first man. Jesus Christ is called the second man, the last Adam. And Jesus Christ retraced the steps of Adam. Jesus was born as a human being. And just like Adam, he was led to the point of temptation. He faced temptation after temptation. But different from Adam, he did not submit to the temptations. He was not fooled by the temptations. But he resisted Satan and stayed obedient to the Father, stayed, kept his allegiance to the Father. And by doing so... 
by staying true to the Father, he did not do what Adam did. And where Adam lost, uh, Jesus won in the desert. No one else had ever, no one else had ever been able to, to stand up against that onslaught of temptation. But Jesus did. Jesus did. And when Jesus did that, listen, when Jesus did that, the authority that Satan had, the authority that Satan had been given was now taken back by Christ. And so at that moment, this, the binding of Satan, the tying up of Satan began at that moment. Up until that point, he ruled and, and roamed freely. Sin and hell and death, sin and hell and death were unstopped and unmatched by anyone. But when Jesus Christ said no to Satan and yes to God, he took back the authority. Jesus Christ was restored as the second man, the last Adam. He was, he, Jesus Christ was restored as the head of the household. What Adam lost to Satan, Jesus took back and Christ became head of the household. And Jesus even used these words. He says, unless... When you enter into someone's house, unless the strong man, unless the head of the house is bound, then the house cannot be plundered. And as long as Satan was the head of the household, the souls of men and women were in bondage in his house. But Jesus Christ became the head of the household. And now we plunder Satan's house. We set the souls of men free by the authority that has been gained by Jesus Christ, our Lord, the leader of our movement. And so the strong man has been bound. The strong man has been bound. Satan is no longer head of the household. Christ is head of the household. And Christ says to his followers, those who do the will of God, he says to his followers, he says, I give you authority. The same authority that Christ gained by his obedience to the Father. He says, to those who do God's will, to those who receive him, they also will be given authority as sons and daughters of God. So tonight, I I do have something else that I want to share. But tonight, I just wanted to to share that briefly to, to, to do this together. That in this room, in this place right now, Satan is active or evil or addictions, just things that are dark and horrible and nasty are at work in our lives. Sickness or bondages or whatever, fear, shame, those things are at work in our lives. But tonight, I've come with you to reassert that the strong man has been bound. He has some power. Obviously, there's still evil in the world and he's still, you know... Destroying things, obviously, but he, is, he has been bound and he is being bound. And tonight, I would like for us to agree with, with Christ and his authority that Satan's work in this room and in our lives is, is leashed and tethered and tied up, that he is bound, that he does not have freedom here. He, he was the strong man, but now God's strong man, the greater strong one, Jesus Christ, has come into the world, and we operate tonight under his authority, in his authority, with his authority. So whatever is binding you, whatever is holding you, is no match for the authority of Christ and the authority that we have been given in Christ. So I just... We, I know we could be here and have a great time and, and stuff, but I just really believe that tonight that you're going to be unleashed 
Because Satan's been leashed. He's, on, he's the one on the leash. You are not on the leash. You are, you are free. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. If you know the truth, the truth sets you free. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so I, but I think at the same time, we don't, we don't just kind of sit around and that happens. I think we just need to affirm that Christ is Lord, that Christ is head of the household. And then we just need to assert that, you know, with our words and with our faith. And we just need to walk in the authority that Christ has given us for tonight. There's a work to be done tonight. And I know now that's probably the longest introduction you've ever heard. You're thinking, oh, my Lord, there's still a sermon. But, but maybe if we could stand, if we could stand... Um, Maybe just lift up your, your, one of your hands or both of your hands to God. And if you, if you agree with the words that I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray here, then as I'm, as I'm praying, when you agree, just say amen or yes, okay? And, and say it out loud. I think it's just important that we just, you know, verbally affirm uh, Christ's authority. From, you know, with our, we believe in our heart, but we also we confess it with our mouth. So when, if I say something that you agree with in this prayer, then please, let's, just, let's do this together. So, Father, we honor uh, you for this divine invasion that you sent Jesus Christ into the world. We, we honor you, Christ, that for those 40 days in the desert, you said no to Satan. And you, you bound him, and the strong man is bound and we affirm that. We also celebrate, Jesus, that your victory while in the desert was powerful. You followed through all the way with obedience even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And as you were obedient even unto death, you bound Satan again and you took from him. You took the, the keys of sin and of hell and of death. And we agree with, with the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord, that the strong man Satan has been bound because the stronger one has come. God's strong man, the man Christ Jesus has come. And we affirm that. And we assert that in this room. We, with our confession and with our faith, we say that Satan is bound. And his work and his and de- demonic power and darkness and addictions and bondage and fear and shame and condemnation, those things are bound. And the strong man is tied up. And tonight in this room, we will plunder Satan's house. Captives will be set free, and bodies will be healed. Minds, minds will be clear again. Destinies that have been imprisoned will, be bro- will break out in Jesus' name. And we speak these words under the authority of you, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our leader, our master. And we assert and affirm our belief that Jesus Christ is Lord, the head of the household, the Lord of heaven and earth, and the Lord of the church. And we affirm this now in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you agree with that, say amen. 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 Find ten people and give them a high five. Go ahead. Find ten people and give them a high five. If you... you may be seated. Now, in God's story, 
In the story of God in the world, the story of God in humanity, the scriptures give us a faithful account of that story, of how God um, spoke and intervened and moved in the world. And so tonight I want to look at one of the stories of God's work in the world. And it's found, if you have your Bibles, it's found in 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. It's in the Old Testament. These are the events that took place before Christ came. And even though the, these events took place before Christ came, we st- they still speak to us today about the nature of God, about his plan of redemption, about how he works. And oftentimes, in the Old Testament, we can find uh, symbolism or signs that point forward to what Jesus Christ did and what Jesus Christ is doing. And so tonight we're going to do that in, in 2 Kings. And the main character in this story is the character Elisha. And Elisha has with him a, a band of brothers, a, a company of prophets. And uh, this is the account of what happens to Elisha and his company of prophets. Chapter 6, number 1, verse 1. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, where each of us can get a pole, and let us build a place there for us to live. And he, Elisha, said, Go. Then one of them said, Won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied, and he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Pretty cool story. Elisha's the leader. The company of prophets are sharing with Elisha that where they are meeting for their school of prophets is too small. They, they, there needs to be expansion. And, and there's no room. And, and basically, the school, of pro, uh, the school of prophets, they want to move from a non-residential school to a residential school. They want to build a, a location where they can live and be trained as prophets of God, the voice of God to the nation and to the nations. And very simply, uh, as they are uh, busy building this new location for training, one of the young lads, one of the young uh, prophets in training, uh, loses his axe head, and it falls into the Jordan, and it sinks to the bottom, and the axe head is irretrievably lost. 
irretrievably lost. It's, 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 it's sunk to the bottom and uh, it's lost. So there are three uh, problems now that are a result of this, uh, of this loss, of this, of this axe head being uh, lost in the river. The first problem is this, number one, if you're taking notes, number one, um, this loss has produced a delay in the progress of the work of God. The loss of the axe head has resulted in a delay, a slowdown of the building of the work of God. One person who's supposed to be working is not working, and now everybody's kind of stopping and staring at this guy throwing a fit because he lost his axe head. And so work is slowing down. Secondly, more specifically, it produces, this loss produces a delay in the development of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, more specifically, is being lost because this is a, the construction of, um, of a residence for the prophets. And the prophets, uh, along with kings and priests, but really there were only three groups of people in, in the Old Testament, before Christ, there were only three groups of people that the Holy Spirit moved upon. And the prophets were one of them. And so this delay of the residence being built is now also uh, producing a delay in the development of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There is a loss of voice. The prophets were the, the voice of God to the nation and to the nations. And so now this specific work of, of building the school of the prophets was slowing down the voice of God. The voice of God. The, 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 the Holy Spirit's voice to the nation and to the nations. And so now, quite simply, there's a slower development of getting this work done and getting the voice of the Lord in action in the land. So those are the first two problems. Third problem, you still with me? Third problem, even more specifically now, so first was generally the work of God is being slowed down. Now secondly, the, the voice of the Spirit is being hindered as this delay happens. But now more specifically, most specifically, is this young man, the individual. Not the big picture of the work of God or, or the medium-sized picture of the, vo the voice of the Spirit, but now the, the small picture that there's a guy who feels like a schmuck. There's a young prophet in training who is, well, we don't know for sure how he feels, but there's some sort of chagrin. There's some sort of chagrin. There's some sort of dismay as he exclaims, Oh, my Lord! It was borrowed! And so there's either he's embarrassed it's some sort of trauma on some level. He's shouting. He's, 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 he's talking about his problem. So specifically, it's a bad day for this young prophet in training. We can get some insight into why he feels bad. Well, because it was borrowed. So you ever borrow something and then lost it? How do you tell the guy that you borrowed it from that you lost it? 
You go buy a new one, right? Or, or rather than say you lost it, you buy a new one? I remember when, we let, we, when, we, when one of our neighbors took care of, took care of my son's pet fish. And his name was Blue Eye. His name was Blue Eye because my neighbor killed the fish. And I remember that moment of the neighbor, you know, coming to tell us and my son that she had murdered his fish. And that awkward moment of, and here's a guy, and he's feeling that. It was borrowed. And he had to repay it. He obviously, if he had the money to buy one, he would have bought one. He didn't have the money, and so he had to borrow it. And so now he had this problem of repaying something that he didn't have money for. So he's, he's feeling the pressure personally. Okay? So three problems. The work of God, the voice of the Spirit. And then we have an individual who is, oh, stink. I'm my axe head. Like, look at everybody else. Like, they're like chopping and hacking and trimming and pruning and garnishing. Not garnishing. No, they're, 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 you know, and I'm like, Chop, 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 splash, sink. Oh, my Lord, it was borrowed. Bottom line, bottom line is, as we make this a little more symbolic, a little less literal, but a little more symbolic, is the man, the young man has lost his edge. Yeah, it's powerful, I know. The young man, the young man has lost his edge. He is no longer contributing to the work. He's no longer um, adding his strength to the movement. The movement of God in Israel and the movement of God in the world. This, man, this young man is now... Um, He's on the shelf, or he's, 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 he's not active. So Elisha responds in such a beautiful way. I, I like it, first of all, that Elisha didn't just look at the young man and say, Loser! Lose! Loo! Loser! Loo! Loser! Big loser! Oh, come here, swinging the old axe, screw the prophets, you suck! You lost your eye. He didn't, he didn't do that. He just, he just did. He just says, where, where did it fall? Where, where did you lose it? Where did you lose your edge? Where was it that you, that you lost it? And the, and the, young, the young man points. Right over there. Straight over there. Just by that ripple over there, that little ripple that, that right there. And, um, and Elisha, Elisha just, this is fairly cool on this cool scale. He cuts a stick and threw it there, the place where it was lost, the place where the edge was lost, the stick was placed there where it had fallen, where it had sunk, at the moment of loss, the stick was placed there, was thrown there, and wacky tabacky, the thing floated. 
the iron floated. Does anybody, I, we probably don't watch him anymore because now he's a bad guy, but anybody watch David Letterman? David Letterman? They have a little comedy sketch on, on their show called Will It Float? Does anybody watch Will It Float? Anybody even know what Will It Float means? Will It Float is, uh, just one second, someone's texting me. Ooh, my wife. She sends me this text. Fire. Whoa. I think it's about the sermon. So, okay. All right. Um, so in the show, it's ridiculous, but it's in the show. Uh, the married folks are laughing. In, 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 the, in the show, um, there's a theme song, and they take various items, and they throw it into the tank, this big, huge tank of water. And uh, there's a song that goes like, uh, Will it float? 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 Get the idea? Will it float? Will it float? And they they throw things in like maybe cabbage or a bag of grass seed or various items. Just the random items. And and Paul, the the musical guy who hosts with, with David, he guesses yes or no, it floats. And then Dave guesses yes or no, it floats. And then they throw it in the tank, and everyone watches with bated breath, and it either sinks or it floats. And then in closing, they sing again. Will it float? Will it float? Will it float? And kind of how I'm feeling about this illustration right now. Will it float? (laughs) Will it float? Too late now. I started the illustration. I kind of have to finish it now. So, so here, if, if this was on the show, and it was an iron axe head, and it was Paul Schaefer and Dave Letterman, and, th- and they looked, there's a solid iron axe head. Will it float? No. They're both going to vote no. Throw it in, and it sinks. But in this amazing account of God's work in the world, God's work among his people, we see that as the stick is thrown onto the river, onto the water, that it, it, yes, yes, it floated. And then Elisha says, pick it up. And, and, he, and, and he picks it up and uh, lifts it out. And the man lifts it out. And that's the end of the story. Wicked. One can only assume that, we don't know for sure, but we, we can assume, I think, that the young man fastened the axe head back to the dealio and then went back to work. I think it's safe to assume that. Okay. So other than this being a really cool, uh, you know, nature-defying miracle, which, which brings glory to God. Wow, he can make metal float. Cool. But other than just being an amazing, amazing story, this actually speaks to all of us thousands of years later. And I think it speaks to all of us, first of all, because we can all relate to loss. To loss. L-O-S-S. We can all relate to loss. 
the young man lost his accent, he lost his edge, he lost his contribution, his, he, there was loss in this moment, and that is, that is universal in our experience as human beings, not as Christians or church people. This is a human story. We all understand loss. We understand the pain of losing something or someone. And that's a very pow- that creates a very powerful um, reality in our lives. With loss often comes disappointment. With loss often comes fear. With loss often comes regret. Sometimes guilt. Sometimes a loss of hope. So we can all relate to to losing something, and in in this moment, I believe that the loss that God wants us to speak about, to share here in this room, are for people in this room who have lost a dream. You've lost faith. You've lost passion. There was a point... Somewhere in your life, as a kid, or three weeks ago, or at some point where you were like, going for God, the work of God, the voice of God, the the Holy Spirit, something passionate, something full of faith, something, some dream in your heart put there by God, and you were going for it. Yeah! Woo! Build and hack and garnish, and here we are, and... Woo! And then as you were doing what you felt you were supposed to be doing and living and dreaming and believing and hoping, as you were doing it, something was lost and fell and, and, and went into the river and it feels like it's irretrievable. You can't get it back. It's, you can roll up your sleeve and reach, but it's beyond your reach, the, the axe head. And in this room there are people, and quite simply... You, we, have lost our edge. We've lost our edge. Maybe it has to do with innocence, a loss of innocence. You've done something that you can't believe, that you said you'd never do, and you've done it. And you feel like you've lost your innocence, and it can never be retrieved. Feel like you've lost authority. You don't love like you, you used to love. Now you got walls up and you're guarded and you keep people at a distance. You used to trust and love, but you've lost. You've lost your edge. You're no longer loving extravagantly. Now you're loving cautiously. And it feels like it's irretrievable. And e- some even in this room feel like. You're out, of, you're out of the game. You're, you're out of the picture. You're on the shelf. Disqualified. We all, we all listen, dude, we, we all, this is, this is, we all experience this. There's nobody in this room who doesn't understand what I'm saying. We have dreams and thing, things that we had that, that we lose and 
With it comes feelings of failure and disappointment and hurt. Uh, For some, it was an unanswered prayer. Where you lost your edge when you asked God for something. You had God's promises and God's word to back it up. You prayed and you believed. It didn't happen. You were believing and you were praying. You were swinging the axe. You were noble in your faith. You were full of hope. It didn't happen. And the axe had flew off and you said, crap. That didn't work. And now when people say, hey, we're going to pray about this, you, you kind of get into the prayer circle like, <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll say the words and I'll nod my head. But I've lost my edge. So these things, they become buried, submerged, lost, dead. Can God ever use me again? Someone in this room, you were thinking that even this week. This week, you've said that. Can God ever use me again? Great question. So, um, your loss, similar to the young man. You still with me? Uh, Similar to the young man's experience, your loss is producing the same thing. Number one, same, same three points. But now, not for the young man, but now for you, for me. Number one, you losing your edge is slowing down the work of God. It's not, uh, you know, bad you, guilty you, you know, stupid you. It's just, that's just real, real reality. When you lose your edge, when I lose my edge, when it's not all hands on deck, when it's not everyone on board, everyone working, everyone believing, everyone hoping, everyone giving, uh, when you lose your head, it slows down the work of, of God. Uh, how many know God has a great work in the city of Edmonton? A great work. Like a great, like, in fact, if we knew what God was dreaming about Edmonton, it'd blow your mind. Blow, blow my mind. And when one of the young disciples, young followers of God loses their edge, It slows down the work. The second thing um, is the same same, same as the young man. It results in the loss of the voice of the Lord. It it results in the loss of the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Listen, unlike the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, listen, in the Old Testament, it was just prophets and priests and kings that the Holy Spirit came upon. But in the New Testament, after Christ died and was raised from the dead, the Bible says that he went to the Father and received from the Father the Holy Spirit, and then he poured the Holy Spirit out upon the earth. And in the room where the Holy Spirit was filled out, 
all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. 120, not just like the apostles, the, the big 12 or 11, or, or just the special people, but all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And this was to fulfill the prophecy that the sons and daughters, that, that men and women would, would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit, listen, 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 the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh, not just an elite few, but that all, the Holy Spirit would be given to all, so that we, in a sense, are all part of the company of prophets that we carry in us the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Lord. The followers of God filled with the Holy Spirit are the voice of the Lord to the church and to our culture. And if we lose our edge, lose our dream, lose our faith, lose our passion, lose our hope, if we lose our edge, then we are, we are taking one of the voices away. The voice of influence for our culture, the voice of influence in our churches, we need to hear from you. What the Holy Spirit speaks to you and shows you needs to be shared and, and, and experienced and obeyed. But when we lose our, our edge, we lose our voice. And, and what God wants to say is lost, silence, at least slowed down. At least slowed down. And then the third thing, same as the young man who lost the axe. Uh, your personal. It's not just about, you know, the, the work of God in the world and the, the voice of the Spirit, but just personally. It sucks. And maybe in, in your heart, you're like, oh, my Lord. It was borrowed. Yeah, and what we have is borrowed. It's, we are debtors to God. He's given us life. He's given us hope. He's given us dreams. He's given us passion. He's given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And we are, we are indebted to him. We are debtors to him. And when we lose what he gave us, when we lose what he gave us, we, we, we're like, we're like the, the servants who received the talents from the master. And we, we, we've taken our talents and we've, we've buried them. We've, we've, we're, we're hidden. They're, they're buried. They're submerged. And, and we're, not, we're not contributing. And we're like, oh, my Lord, it was borrowed. The, the thing, I've lost my edge and it wasn't even mine. It was what God gave me. And I've lost it. And I can't get it back. It's too far. I've fallen too far. It's beyond my reach. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe you're disappointed. You're like, oh man, life wasn't supposed to work out this way. You were given something by God and now you've lost it. I've been given something by God and now I've lost it. Tonight, as we look at this old ancient passage, it points us to a moment in time. It points us to a moment where, where a stick, a stick was involved. 
Elisha caught a stick and he threw it over the place where it was lost. And, and today, for us, the stick that we, we reach for is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what we reach for. And tonight, I, with boldness and confidence, I believe that if we put the cross of Christ over the place where we lost our edge. If we take those, that stick that, that Christ was, was brutally uh, uh, ki- killed, murdered, as he was executed, if we take that cross, that cross it has power, it has energy, it has, it has in it what it represents and, and who died on it and the blood that was shed on it, that cross placed over loss will produce resurrection and, and resurgence and, and things that, that aren't supposed to float will float when the cross is placed over it. And, 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 and the amazing thing is that I can be so bold as to say this to you. That no matter where you lost it, or how horribly you lost it, or how, how ugly it was when you lost it, or how nasty or how deep it feels, no matter how horrible and, 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 and irretrievable it seems, the cross, the stick of God, is greater and stronger no matter what it is or what you have done. It is not irretrievable. It is not unreachable. The love of God shown on the cross of Christ reaches to the deepest, coldest, darkest depths of of fear and loss and shame and guilt and the long arm of God plunges and retrieves the things that we have lost. This is the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is not we all lived perfect lives and we all were happy, clappy Christians. The gospel of the of the kingdom is this, that in the face of the greatest loss faced by human beings, the cross of Jesus Christ is able to make metal things float. And the cross with its grace, and the cross with its love, and the cross with its power to forgive, things that are buried are raised, things that are lost are found, things that were submerged begin to float, things that were unusable become usable. So I challenge you, I dare you, I have boldness and confidence to tell you that wherever you lost your edge, if you put the cross there, it will flow back. Whatever it is, you you name the grossest, vilest, most nefarious sin that you can think of. And you will, you will, I can tell you, I can guarantee you that the cross of Christ is greater Because the cross of Christ itself points to victory over even death, even sin, even hell. Christ was buried. He was God's axe head. (laughs) He was buried, but on the third day, he was raised again. And if you've lost a dream, you've lost faith, you've lost innocence, you've lost passion, you've lost love, You've lost something. Put the cross over it. Where did you lose it, he said. Where did you lose it? 
Right there, right, right specifically, specifically right there. That was the moment I lost it. I lost it right there. Then the stick goes right there. Not vague, some vague, oh Jesus, Jesus, just bring it, bring it to that moment, the moment of loss, the moment of hurt, the moment of your failure, the moment of your betrayal, whatever it was. Bring the cross to that moment and watch resurrection happen. When I was 33, it was 10 years ago, so old, and uh, I had, I had, I had ridiculous, stupid dreams about what God wanted to do in, in my city, like ridiculous, like ridiculous. Sorry, am I boring you? Yeah, I mean, if I was, you couldn't say it. I mean, yes, actually. This whole night's been pretty much a letdown. Uh, uh, no, but seriously, folks. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, like, you know what I did one time? You're not going to believe this. This one time, I was preaching. I was so full of faith. <gasps> faith, like redonkulous faith. I was like, it was like, and I was like all about this like, this whole deal, this whole like extreme deal of like, that God could do anything. And, uh, and I, I was believing that in my city, that it wasn't right that my city should have more unbelievers in it than believers. At the time, it seemed like really rational. It was like, it's like, okay, you know, God's God and the strong man is bound and Satan's defeated and Jesus is Lord. And so it shouldn't be that like there's like a, like a little like thimble full of Christians it should be like this great victorious. And so I went public in front of my group, young adults, and said, you know what I believe I'm believing for? I'm believing that 51% of Calgary will be saved. Woo! And everyone was like, And I really believe, like, we were experiencing, ten, 10 years ago, and in my life, in our community of faith, we were experiencing some ridiculously powerful, amazing stuff that was convincing us that God was God, and anything can happen, and we're going to win our whole city, and nations, you know, nations, you know, we were believing like, like Jesus believed about things and stuff, and, uh, uh, that was 10 years ago, and last year, a, a, a lady I hadn't seen for years came up to me. After, after our church service, I preached some nice sermon, and, and uh, this lady came up to me, and she said, and I didn't know what she was talking about. She said, are you, still, are you still believing, Pastor? And I couldn't quite remember 
her or what she was doing. So I did, you know, the pastoral thing. Like, yeah, praise the Lord. Bless God. Good to see you, sister. <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. And um, I'd have a clue what she was talking about. I, her face was, like, vaguely familiar. She hadn't been, she'd, she'd been, uh, moved back to Ontario, and she was back visiting, and now she was, like, reintroducing herself and reminding me and she said, yeah, remember what you were believing for? I'm like, oh, oh, yes, of course. Praise the Lord. We're believing for great things. No, no, no. Remember you believed for, you said you were believing for 51% of your city to be saved. You said it years ago, years ago. She said, do you still believe that? <sighs> the answer was unanimously, overwhelmingly, No. I am not believing that. I'm like just trying to keep my head above water. Trying to keep our church from having a meltdown. I'm trying to like keep Sister Beulah from killing Sister Mildred over there and just glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Those two had a lot of wrinkles and they were just ready to go at each other. I mean, it was just like senior pastor joke right there. And uh you know, I didn't, I didn't say to her, no, I'm not believing for 51% anymore. Be gone with you. I just, I just, I just kind of went, yeah, well, praise the Lord. Yeah. And then I just, I just like, wow. I lost my edge. world-changing life and world-impacting faith, this great movement of Jesus and the world had been reduced to this kind of... I had to... I had to bring... I had to bring... bring the cross back to that. And I'd say that the axe head is about halfway up. You can see it rising, but I... I'm not there yet. I don't, I don't have, I, I can't lie. But I believe as I bring God's grace and God's message back to that place where I've, I lost that dream, I believe the cross is powerful enough to restore that dream in my heart. And your dream's different. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just about your career or ed- your education or about a relationship or, or about a neighbor that you want to win to Christ or maybe it's someone that's sick They're not healed. Well, you got hurt at church. Get in line. Oh, the church isn't what it's supposed to be. Get in line. My pastor's... I know I am one. We're losers. But no matter who hurt you, or whatever disappointment you've had, you've had in your life. The message is not that Steve Osmond or Travis Holonia or Michael Larson, Ken Solbrecken, the message is not that any one of us can make, restore your dreams, but the message is this, is that Christ, Christ Jesus, the Lamb of God, is able. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in you. 
then that spirit will quicken you. That resurrection will work in you. I want to call you tonight. Pick it up. Bring the cross. Throw the stick over where you lost it. And then when it comes to the top, pick it up. I see, this is what I see. I just see this happening. I see many of you just, just leaning over and picking up that dream again. Picking up hope again. Picking up innocence again. I just see it. I see you refastening your axe head to your handle. Going back at it. Let's build the kingdom of God. Let's see the voice of the Lord in Edmonton. Let's see the voice of the Lord in Canada. And I'm not going to be on the shelf any longer. I'm getting off the bench. I'm getting into the game. Here we go. But I can't do it unless you resurrect it, Lord. Can't do it unless you resurrect. We are totally dependent upon Christ and his cross. But we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Cross is powerful and it works. What Jesus Christ did is astounding. We honor you tonight, Christ. As we look back to the history of the people of God, we look at one of your servants, Elisha, and the faith that he showed and the miracle that happened. We honor, we honor you, Christ. For it was you at work at that moment to bring resurrection, to bring elevation, to bring resurgence. And I am simply asking tonight, Christ, I'm simply asking tonight, Lord, that your cross, the shadow of your cross, the shadow of your cross will be placed over our failures, our hurts, our losses, our defeats. And that resurrection would happen. I'm asking this now. In your name. Amen. If you would stand and if the Michael Larson experience would come back to the platform. MichaelLarson.com. Hey, what's going on? Woo! So, yeah, uh, so I'd like for us to respond to this tonight. I like in the story that, you know, that the axe head didn't, like, float up to the top and then into the air, onto the handle, and starts swinging itself. You know, there was partnership there. You know, there's the miracle of the cross, but then there's that reaching out in faith and saying, yeah, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to lift it out. Yeah. I'd like, I'd like for us to express that faith tonight. I'd like for us if as a symbol, as a sign that you are a person who can relate to loss, 
You, 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 could, you connect with some, in some area of your life. To lo- there's loss. Loss of your edge. Loss of your edge. But as a symbol that you are believing for that edge to be raised and refastened. I would like for you to, to, to get out of your seat and come here to the front. Just as a step of faith saying, that's me. I've known loss. I've experienced it. But uh, I'm not going to let it stay in the bottom of the, the river. I'm going to say, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. That's where it starts. Oh, my Lord. I've lost it. And I want it back. It was borrowed. I'm in debt. That gift that you gave me, that life you gave me, the dream you gave me. So that you'd leave your seat and come here and stand. Let's see what God does tonight. Visible that the strong man has been bound and that Christ the head of the household rules in this room and now we plunder the strong man's house and we say that the shame that you feel about your loss we break the power of that shame off of your life now the guilt guilt that you feel in response to that, la- that loss, we break it off of your life now in Jesus' name. The disappointment, that aching, it's like a splinter in your brain, that dis- you're disappointed, always feeling disappointed, disappointed. We break the power of that disappointment in Jesus' name. The fear the fear that says, what if I lose it again? What if I fail again? I can't even, I'm afraid to even reach out. We break the power of that fear in Jesus' name. We say, perfect love, which is the cross, demonstrated in the cross, perfect love casts out all fear. For there is no fear in love. For there is no fear in love. Some of you feel chained to your seat. You haven't responded yet. You just know that you should respond. I'm not begging or shaming. I'm just setting you free tonight in Jesus' name. The prince of demons is bound. The strong man is bound. Tonight there's freedom for you. Addictions, bondages, fears, loss. I want to give one more call anyone and you say I, I need to respond to that I want you I want to call you once give you one more opportunity tonight to leave your seat those chains that are holding you binding you keep telling you it's it's over for you you're finished God can't use you you've fallen too far it's irretrievable I, I, I take authority over that lie it is false it is false and there is no fruit in that falsehood there is no life in it it's a it's a ditch it's a rut it's endless It's an endless life submerged in fear and shame and guilt. But that is not your inheritance. No matter who you are, that is not 
your inheritance. Your inheritance is resurrection and life and resurgence and emergence. And you're going to break through the cold waters of death, the cold waters of fear, the cold waters of hopelessness. You're going to burst through and you're going to breathe again. You're going to breathe again and dream again and hope again and build again. Build again. I'm, I'm talking to you. You're not even in this room. You're listening by, by, by podcast or you're listening to a recording. I speak to you in Jesus' name. You are not destined to be submerged and drowning in darkness and in cold waters. I speak to you. I speak to your soul. I speak to you. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will arise. I speak it to you. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will arise. Rise up, church, with broken wings. Fill this place with songs again of our God who reigns on high. And by His grace again, we'll fly. By His grace again, we'll fly. We'll fly again. We'll soar again. It's not over. 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 just invite the Holy Spirit. I want us to do this literally, literally tonight. Invite the Holy Spirit to bring the cross, the love of God, the grace of God, the power of God, Christ's victory over death. Bring the cross to the place where you lost it. Maybe it was in the backseat of a car you lost your innocence. Maybe it was Maybe it was in a church meeting where you gave up on God. Maybe, maybe it was when you prayed and prayed and prayed and you finally said, this just doesn't work. Wherever it was, whenever it was, bring the cross to that moment, specifically to that moment. Come Holy Spirit, minister now. Minister to those moments of loss. Minister to those broken moments, those, those tear-filled, those moments of agony, those moments of agony those moments of brokenness and agony. Oh my Lord, I've lost it. I've lost it. I've lost it. Bring the cross to those moments, God. Not the fancy church moments with, with, with songs and perfection and, and shallow, trite religious sayings, but bring your cross to the real crappy places. Bring your cross to the, to the hopeless places, God. Bring your cross to the dark places. We can't do this unless you come and raise us again. By your grace again we'll fly. By your grace again we'll fly. Come Holy Spirit. Oh, sovereign Lord. Oh, sovereign Lord.
prayer team, ministry team, just feel free to come. Leaders, just feel free to come and stand with someone. Put your hand on their shoulder or pray for someone. If you have a friend that's up here, and you, a family member, you want to stand with them, just leave your seat and come and stand with your friend, your family member, your spouse.
God is doing something at this altar, but I, I just feel in preparation of this night, God laid it on my heart, and before we can leave, and before you leave tonight, I believe God wants to heal tonight, that the healer is here, and as Steve talked about the cross, and how we throw our stick to where the iron is, I believe there's some situations that God wants to touch, whether it be physical, whether it be emotionally, I know tonight I pray with a few people, and he's healing hearts, and he's healing things emotionally. And, and recently been ministering, and, and God spoke to me about how when things inside of us, things that hurt deep, where we've been betrayed, or God's the stuff that's happened against us in our heart, when that is healed, the physical healing happens. I was at a camp this summer, and we prayed for about 60 people, and in every case, every, every girl, every boy that came forward at this camp, they, they said, oh, you know, my leg hurts. I, I can't run anymore. I have asthma. And, and, and the Lord gave a word. I just, God spoke and said, okay, well, what happened three years ago? And she goes, well, my dad committed suicide. And I said, did you forgive? Did, have you gone through that? Have you, have you dealt with that forgiveness? She said, no. 
Right then we prayed forgiveness. And in that moment she looked at me and her eyes got big and she goes, my knees healed, my asthma, like my, my lungs just opened up. I don't understand. And down one by one. And so I believe as Steve spoke about dreams and, and things of the heart being healed, I believe God now wants to heal bodies. This afternoon somebody called me and had a word that there's someone here tonight that has, uh, I, I don't know much about this condition, but spina diffia, that you know somebody or, or a baby or somebody's had spina diffia and you're, you're standing in the gap or you're here tonight, but God wants to heal that. I believe that there's, there's just a few situations that God wants to heal. And so if you need a physical healing in your body, can I just invite you to kind of step forward to the stage? Just come now and we want to pray for you. At the last resurgence, Hazel, you know, heard what God was saying, stood up, came to the front. God said, I, I, somebody spoke, we want to heal, God wants to heal a blood condition. She came to the front with leukemia. I, I didn't know she had leukemia. Nobody here knew she had leukemia. And she was healed. The power of God is here to heal. Amen? So we're going to worship. And I just encourage you, we have no rush to, to leave tonight. So let's just worship with all we got. And, and, and we're just going to pray for the sick and, uh, and just see God do some healings tonight. So if you're sick in any way, would you come? It's the 
Glory, show us your glory. 